Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I am Reagan Kelly, and I am joined by all of my awesome co-hosts this week. Me, Nate Heininger. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Nash. And Reagan's brother, Shane. <laughs> and this week, we are bringing you our Game of the Year 2018. So yes, we are recording this on January 1st, 2019. Uh, we had a bit of an interruption in our recording schedule. Um, yes. So. A small uh, one. Yeah, I had a baby, or rather, I didn't specifically, but my wife did. <laughs> and uh, Hooray! We have, a, we have a new member of our family. And she was born on Christmas Eve, which, as you might imagine, disrupted our plans pretty significantly. So I was uh, planning on having some good time there around the holidays for us to record this Game of the Year episode. Yeah, we were all going to get up early on Christmas morning, unwrap our presents, do an episode of the short game around the, uh, you know, the, the, the fire the short game tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As is I, our Christmas tradition. Cause everyone, we all, everyone, they all know we all live together. We right? live together. We wear matching pajamas. Yeah. It's great. We have one big bed. <laughs> it's really weird for me. <laughs> really weird for our significant others. Actually. I do have a question for Reagan, um, about your baby born on Christmas Eve. Yes. Uh, did you get up on Christmas morning and realize that you hadn't bought her a gift? So I did not get up on Christmas morning because I freaking couldn't because Christmas morning, like, oh man, I was dead to the world. We were up until like five, four or five o'clock in the morning just with baby stuff, dude. Uh, just th- baby stuff. She was born Christmas Eve at 10, 12 PM. So, uh, and I had had, uh, I'd had no sleep the night before because we had to rush to the hospital at three or no, four o'clock in the morning. So I had been up, I'd had uh, three hours of sleep. I, Christmas morning is a blank on my personal calendar. I cannot remember it. I can't believe you missed your child's first Christmas already. <laughs> great, great start. <laughs> I really feel kind of bad for So, okay, I should mention, um, uh, my child is a girl. Her name is Wednesday and she is the cutest. She is the cutest. I can confirm those details. The cutest. And so she uh, is baby of the year. Yes. Yeah. B-O-T-Y. No one else had a baby in, in, that I know of in 2018. So you can have baby of the She's year. She's B-O-T-Y for 2018 and 19. She gets both. Just saying. What? We'll hold a vote. Yes. Um, so unless it, unless there's some real upsets happening later in 2019, she counts. So, but that's interrupted our uh, recording schedule. Apologies to all of our listeners. Uh, we hope you'll continue with us in 2019. We're looking I'm forward glad to you it. Apologized, Reagan, because I've been waiting for an apology, and I know you did it to the <laughs> listeners, but I also feel like this was an apology to me, Laura and Shane, and just don't let it happen again. All right. <laughs> Because we have a tight ship on this podcast, and this is the first time we've ever had to delay episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, <laughs> ever. And Such a tight I, ship we run. I know our uh, longtime listeners live by our hard and routine <laughs> schedule. So you can um, set a clock by it, the world's yeah. worst clock. So thank you for apologizing. And listeners who are appalled right now, we are actually working on that. Yes, we are. So um, bear with us, 2019, <laughs> we we're trying some new stuff with the format. Hopefully, this will be a big year for the podcast. We're going to be trying some new stuff. It's yeah. hopefully going to let us bring this podcast to you on a more timely and even more frequent basis. Uh, but thank you for bearing with us, and we are very appreciative, and we uh, we love all of you. It'll all be much easier now that you have a baby. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Everything will be. It's really smooth sailing from here on out. But all jokes aside, congratulations, Reagan. That's thank awesome. You. 
Thank you. Um, yes. So I'm very pleased. And uh, I'm also very pleased to talk about this year's short game game of the year. So in previous years, we've done a whole kind of elaborate on-screen tabulation of votes. We kind of decided to pass on that this year uh, just because we have so many interesting little games to talk about. We'd rather spend some time talking about the games than talking about how we arrived at our various rankings. So we're just going to kind of jump into it and talk about what is the short game game of the year. Just listeners, be aware that this is the product of much horse trading and lengthy arguments and what am I going to do with all these horses? And all of that. I mean, honestly, I was over the moon at how many short games made it into top 10 lists, top 100 lists, top 50 lists yeah. across all of our normal uh, gaming media, non-gaming media. Um, honestly, like just for example, the Polygon list out of the top five, five through two were short. And then God of War. <laughs> yeah, and games we had covered. And they had that whole article and video that was like, I forget how it was phrased, but like the best games, the of, best 2018 games of 2018 are short games. Were under just, 10 hours or something like that. I was like, ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Which is specifically the time amount that we've always like, our, our kind of soft cap has always been 10 hours. So it's funny that uh, Polygon said exactly that. And every time I see yeah. one of these articles, because there, there's more this year than there have been in the past, but this isn't the first, like, short games are great. I'm like, check out our podcast. We have 160-something. <laughs> We've been doing this since 2013 or 14 or whatever. It's Listen, like, get off our lawn, Polygon. Our beat's going mainstream, <laughs> boys. Everyone's yeah. finally catching up. They're, they're listeners. We know it. So, I am happy to announce... First, we're, we're going to start by talking about our game of the year, number one. We know that's why you're all here. And then we're going to talk about some of the other games that uh, stood out to us this year that made our personal lists. And we have a few other kind of categories that we want to talk about too. But we're going to, we're going to work our way down from the top. So I want to start by saying that this year's short game of the year is Celeste. Probably surprising Woo! no one because that game was super good and made a lot of a lot of uh, waves in the gaming industry. Uh, Celeste was amazing. Yes. Yes, it was. And so this has been, um, this game has gone into my just probably top five, top three video games list, let alone like short games. So Your pantheon. I definitely like have known this to be my choice pretty much since I picked up the game for the first time. Now there've been some other fantastic games that came really close, but Celeste is just such a complete package. Uh, and to be completely honest, I'm still playing this game now, which has moved it well past the short game uh, 10 hours. Um, but the the core game, which is like the, the main story, can be done under 10 hours, and it's just a phenomenal experience. Yeah, getting to the end of Celeste, just the... I mean, I think it took me like nine and a half hours, so right on the cap. But like... Getting to the, the final moments of that game were one of the most sort of thrilling and also kind of like moving game experiences I had all year. And it's, I'm so glad this game has like gone mainstream in the way that it has. I don't know, I don't know if I'd quite call it that because it's it's still an indie game and I'm sure that its numbers are smaller than like, I don't know, the latest God of War or something like that. But it's it, it did so well this year. Uh, it, it was on so many lists. It got so much press attention. Um, and all totally deserved because the game is absolutely phenomenal. It is the platonic ideal of platform games. I mean, for me, I, I chose it because I have little patience with 
punishingly hard games, usually. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just a category of game I find very off-putting and unappealing since I didn't grow up with a controller in my hand since they were banned in my household. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Um, and I think that often a lot of games put um, hard mechanics and kind of unfair, out-of-nowhere things ahead of story. And Celeste was one of the first times I felt that the difficulty was so integral to the story and the mood um, and that it really taught me to get better at the game as I improved as you know as I would work through something I, I never thought it was being unfair and I always felt it was you know I was getting better uh, and that the game was on my side so that's why I chose it because it it made me rethink my approach to games that I'm bad at uh, and gave me some patience that I yeah. was not expecting. And with and yeah, that's awesome. And I think that is such a clear intent of this game too. They really let you choose the difficulty on so many different levels. I mean, first of all, just the the basic game, the way it's set up is, um, you know, there's like the main path, and the majority of the really challenging platforming stuff is all built-in optional. It's to get these um, strawberries that are usually in difficult-to-reach places or hidden. That's not to say that like the main path isn't challenging at times, because it is. It can be really, really challenging. Um, but it's usually like little moments, and then the rest of it is hard, but not really hard. You choose when you're going to undertake like a really challenging thing. And also, on top of that, is the ability to alter almost anything in the game to make it more accessible for you. So if you... Uh, if it is too fast, if it's too hard or whatever, whatever reason you want to, you can slow down the game. You can make it where your your jumps are slower. And uh, what are some of the other ones? You can you can basically alter like all the physics of the game to make it easier for you. Or, you can also make it so you literally can't die. Yeah, right. Um, and so I, I read a somewhat. This is someone else's um, article, but between that and the kind of concept of the game which is you know this person sort of dealing with anxiety and depression it's a game that teaches you it's okay to ask for help both in its mechanics and its story which i think is a really cool did any of you guys see um matt thorston's uh speech at the game of game awards so celeste won uh i think it was best independent game and also some other category as well that i forget what they call it but his speech at the game awards was and I'm going to misquote him, so I, I may just drop in an audio clip of him here. Uh, we, we got like, completely lost in the work of making this game, and uh, <laughs> we kind of forgot that people would eventually play it, so the reception has just been like really overwhelming. Um, and man, my heart is beating so fast. <laughs> I'm like at a loss for things to say all year about the reception. Uh, so there is one thing I want to say, though. Um, if Celeste has helped you come to terms with uh, mental illness, I just want to say that uh, <laughs> you deserve credit for that. Uh, that change came from inside of you, and uh, you're capable of a lot more. Thank you. And I thought that was beautiful. And I actually, like, I'm not going to claim that I'm sitting here with, like, deep mental health issues or anything, but it, it, it really, this game does an amazing job of bringing together its theme of like 
overcoming the obstacles in your life, both physical and just sort of psychological, and bringing that together with the difficulty of the game. And by by giving you the tools you need to overcome this incredibly difficult game, it makes you feel like you can overcome anything. It was It was an amazing experience. I love this game. It's so, so good. And I'm so glad that people have responded to it the way they have, because it's honestly not something I was expecting to do nearly as well as it as it did uh you know these types of games rarely hit the big time in this way and it's fun it's so fun well yeah i mean that's at the end of the day i mean like that's the point right or that's at least a primary objective usually of a video game is for it to be fun and uh this game hits that and that's part of why i'm still playing it so you know the main game uh is like nine to ten hours but they have they packed so much into this game. When I say I'm still playing it, I don't mean like I'm just going back and redoing levels. Um, there's basically three more versions of the game all within the game, or, or two more. There's the B-sides, which takes the base levels, makes them significantly more complicated, more difficult. So they are like the entire map is strawberry challenge after strawberry challenge. And there's a B-side for every single uh, level, which is like eight or nine levels. Uh, And they are fully developed, unique. They're still introducing new mechanics. Um, The B-sides are almost all completely new stuff. They're just set in the same sort of like... Yeah, using the same tile sets, basically. Tile sets, yeah, exactly. But totally new levels. I only... uh, You you have the option to play through those as you're playing through the main game. I only touched a few of them. They are fiendish, but it's really amazing. They have this essentially whole second game there. And then there's the C-sides, which is if you complete all the B-sides, there's the C-sides, which are punishingly difficult single-screen levels. And I haven't done done any of those yet because I am still working through. I'm on the final B-side. I'm working on it right now. And I've collected like 150 out of 170 strawberries or something like that. Um, because I find this game so satisfying, like it, it's definitely challenging, and I, lo- I I like difficult platformers. That's always been one of my favorite genres. But this game, um, most of the time, those difficult platformers, you're kind of testing the same skill over and over and over and over. Um, this one continues even this far into the game to introduce new mechanics that are really enjoyable. Uh, honestly, I think like he could have, or Matt makes games, a company could have released this as a DLC for like 20 bucks and been like, Hey, this is really challenging. And they probably would have also sold, you know, a million copies like they did Celeste. So the fact that this is all included in this game that, um, you know, is only like $20 is pretty remarkable. Uh, and a, and a really big accomplishment. And one last thing, because I could talk about this game all day, the music, which I'm going to talk about more later, but just while we're talking about game of the year, the music also fits this package. It's so uplifting, good. it's positive, it get, it like keeps you going. Um, it has become my go-to work playlist for when I need to get stuff done. I just put on like Celeste and I can just get <laughs> that mind space. So um, it's awesome. Amazing game. Yeah, the thing I loved so much about this year is that... Um, when we were talking about our top five list, every game in that was kind of our, you know, someone thought was their favorite game of the year, every single one was super different. So in Celeste, we've got this kind of action-y 2D platformer, and then we had four other standout games, and none of them are anything like each other. So it's true. It's not like a year that there's three platformers and two narrative games or walking sims or whatever we want to call them, but like all of these games are completely different. I don't think we've played anything like them 
in the past either. Yeah, most of these games on our... So the rest of our list for top five, which is sort of an unordered list. We could not decide on an official ranking here. So the rest of our top five list is uh, consider these all uh, highly recommended and essentially equal to one another in a sense. Um, the rest of these are incredibly unique games that like so few of them are things where we can easily file them into an existing genre or anything like what we've, what we've covered before. Um, do we want to just talk about each of these or I'm um, yeah, let's just run let's, down the list. Let's dig in. In my opinion, one of the most creative and unique uh, games that one that I can recommend to almost anybody this year would be Into the Breach. Um, this is a game uh, that I we had all been looking forward to for a super long time because, you know, we started off this podcast by uh, pretty much right at the beginning uh, squeezing in a few roguelikes uh, before we, we realized that they're not really short. And uh, and you know this this developer, uh, sorry, what's the name of the developer? Subset Games. Subset Games uh, created a you know incredible uh, roguelike uh, that you know we've been looking up forward to the to the follow up to that for a very long time. But let's talk about Into the Breach. Into the Breach has a lot of things that I absolutely love in it: uh, time travel, uh, giant monsters versus robots. Uh, but it wraps it all in a genre that is something I have absolutely never connected with before, which is a tactics game. Way, way back in the day, I played um, Final Fantasy Tactics on the GBA, and I pretty much got through like three levels of it. <laughs> um, played a lot of um, Advance Wars. We did play a lot of Advance Wars, uh, so I guess maybe that does that should count. But I was never any good at Advance Wars. I could only ever I can attest uh, to that occasionally beat you, uh, <laughs> and I could really not make it through the campaign mode uh, in Advance Wars. And part of that is just that Advance Wars gets so naughty and so tangled. Mm -hmm. This is a game where the brilliant thing that they do with this is every level you really just know you have to make it through like two or three or four turns and if you can do that if you can just survive then you've done it and it plays out like this beautiful crazy kaiju chess match uh every single turn i would spend minutes sometimes even like hours <laughs> staring at my screen trying to figure out what should go first i have over and over again had to put this game away and come back to it later just because I knew if I came at it with fresh eyes, I would figure out how to get through a single freaking turn. And when we first got around to playing this game, I was uh, hooked right away. I really loved it, but I was playing like a, a copy through the wine, you know, conversion layer on my Mac. And it was, you know, it was good, but it would turn my Mac into a, uh, uh, a fireball every time I turned it on and the fans would go crazy. When this game came out for Switch, I picked it up on that, and this has been the game that I keep coming back to over and over and over again throughout the year. Um, I've, uh, you know, I, I really love just going through this game and unlocking uh, the new pilots, um, you know, tr unlocking all the islands. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's an incredible game. Um, how how they managed to build this game in a way that you can do you know it's such a limited problem space but there's always a way 
to get by that just one more turn. There's always some way to do it. And uh, I mean, it's so amazing. I, 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 and, uh, I take it. I'll drop it now, but so much is so good about this game. The music is amazing. Uh, the <laughs> graphics are clear. The UI is good. I, I, I'm going crazy for this. Game. Hey, we, we've got a whole episode that, that on this, guys. I did read that they spent literally half of the development cycle, four years to develop it, two years on the UI. Oh, the the UI is years on the interface. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I was super surprised, Nate, that this game wasn't your top game. I mean, we're talking about the, the a new game by the developers of FTL. And wait, for, you've for, heard how much Nate plays Celeste. I am not surprised in the oh, slightest. No, no, no. But I mean that I'm surprised that Celeste made it on top of this because obviously because Celeste is so good. But like, I was expecting just when I knew that the developers of FTL were making a new game, I expected we were going to lose Nate from the podcast for another month or two. Just like it, he was never going to come up for air. If I may. Yes. Okay. So if so this was when I was saying earlier like my favorite game of the year. For me Celeste was was number 1 and then Into the Breach was like 1A. When I was talking about my top like 3 games of all time, Celeste has gotten in there. FTL is the other one that I know is for sure on that list. So obviously subset games has a a, a deep place in my heart. Anyone who's listened to this show for a long time has heard me say those letters FTL probably a million times because that is like, you know, maybe my favorite game ever. So, of course, this game was highly anticipated for me and I dove in really, really deeply and played an insane amount of this game to the point where I was approaching uh, essentially like 100%ing it. I was beating it on uh, the media or the easy medium and hard for every combination of the mechs i was super into this game uh but i also was having the same thing with uh um what you guys are what shane was talking about is i was playing it on my uh dual booted windows machine you know that's in the basement and i actually we moved the computer it was upstairs it was really easy for me to play it all the time and then downstairs for some reason that separation and the, like the need to go and dual boot my computer um, made me stop playing it because I had to play another game for the show. And then Celeste has the actual, like, I want to beat the levels. I want to beat all of the levels that exist, which is different than what Into the Breach had. That's only, that's why I'm still playing Celeste, because I love it and there's more, like, still stuff that I need to unlock and, and view. Whereas I've basically unlocked everything with Into the Breach. I'm just, like, playing it over and over and over and over. Um, so that's why Celeste, I'm still playing it now and I'm not playing Into the Breach as much. Uh, but Into the Breach is phenomenal and it accomplishes so much in such a small package. I, I've i I've played a bunch of tactics games and this one is so unlike any of the other ones. And it does, similar to Celeste, it does a lot of things to make the game more accessible while not making it easier. The big thing that is really stuck out to me in this game is the way they flipped how most tactics games work, which is that, uh, you know, normally you have no idea what your opponent's going to do. Yes. Uh, and you're in you have perfect understanding of what, what's going to happen next turn. If you can just get there. Yeah. It's so they show you, they say, okay, on the next turn, these four, uh, you know, enemies are going to do this move. So solve it, you know, beat it. Good luck. Uh, and I just love that. 
I and as, while as somebody I, who's currently playing through Final Fantasy Tactics, God, I miss that. It's it's, <laughs> it's so frustrating to play another tactics game after playing Into the Breach. Yeah, but I don't think it makes it. It's just I don't think it makes it easier. It just takes out the. Um, it moves. It moves. What the question of like the the problem that you're trying to solve is like in the yeah. in most tactics games, a big part of what the problem you're trying to solve is is like predicting what the other player or or AI can and will do. And in this, it's not so much about that. It's just about trying to triage a situation, put out fires, try to yeah. try to stay one step ahead of a system that you pretty much understand a hundred percent. Yeah, triage is a good word for it. It is. You're just trying to keep up with it, right? Like, Things are falling apart and you just have to survive, which thematically is perfect for a, you know, a city that's being attacked by monsters. Like for the most part, you're probably just trying to survive and not like be super. You're not on the offensive in that situation. Right. Uh, But there is still some randomness that you have to predict for, which is like, uh, you know, how many like there, you can kind of get an idea of how many creatures are going to be on the board or how many monsters are going to be on the board. So, you know, if you kill too many, that's going to spawn new ones. So it might be better for you to like keep ones alive and minimize them so that new ones don't spawn. Cause when something new spawns, yeah, you don't know any, what type it is. You don't know what type it is and you don't know where it's going to be. There's a little randomness in the, uh, it, you know, in your favor when they hit the buildings and you don't know like whether or not it'll deal damage to the buildings probably yeah. will, but so we're getting this is gets into the meta part of the yeah. game. Yeah, and we have bit, a, so again we, can, we have a whole episode. We got a lot of talk about, about this. Yeah. yeah, but less people think that all of our top five games are stealth thirty-hour games or games that will make <laughs> you horribly addicted. Uh, we, I'll say, let's transition to minute, which is one-minute rounds and over in what two hours max? Yeah, uh, max. I yeah. loved this game so much. In fact, for me personally, this was easily in my top three-ish games of the year. Um, Minute is a uh, so we have a whole episode on it. I won't try to explain every little thing about it, but th- this game, I can't think of anything that more perfectly exemplifies what the short game as a show is all about ver- than Minute. Minute is a uh, is an adventure action game in the sort of Zelda vein, but reduced down to its most distilled so that every single life, you you cannot survive more than one minute in the game. That's the whole gimmick of the game. And it gives you an an entire really epic adventure uh, in a sort of Zelda-esque style that you can complete in one minute per life. And over the course of the game, you know, you, you will die at the end of that 60 second countdown every single time. But through repeating that cycle, trying to get a little farther, open up something you didn't have access to before, get an item you didn't have access to before, etc. By doing that same one life, 60 seconds, again and again, you can complete this whole what I thought was pretty cool, epic quest. And... I can't think of anything else that we might have that we've played for the show that co- so completely spoke to the short game thing as minute. I, I, I cannot recommend this game highly enough. When we first Which played, is why it, it's our game of the year. Uh, <laughs> not quite. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. This it. game should be, and I, we had an argument about this before, but this game should be our game of the year. It 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 almost was. It is the most short game. Mm-hmm. For so many I think we can give short it the game. award of the most short game <laughs> of our games of the year. It definitely checks all our boxes because if this game was, uh, you could only be alive for a minute, but it was a thirty-hour game. Like, it oh, would we be would horrible. hate it. You would be so bad. So it, it proves 
like that you can take a really interesting mechanic and pull it as far as it can go and just end it instead of like we gotta have more content gotta have more content gotta find another cave full of Draugr like it, it actually <laughs> shows you can do just like a two hour game with a really unique and really fun um, you know mechanic and it can just be done and it can be awesome and successful this game was pretty well regarded yeah. and um, I should also add that place. it's uh, since we talked about it on the show, it's come out on Switch, which I think is another perfect platform for it. This is the year of great short games on Switch, and the eShop is just overflowing with good stuff this year. So um, if you didn't play Minute when we talked about it earlier in the year, um, but you have a Switch, get this game. It is so fun. I, I just I was so impressed with it. And for me personally, like this is this is really high on my game of the year list. I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, I think it is probably second place on my personal game of the year list next to the next game we're going to talk about. This is why we didn't rank because everyone's like, it's second place, but also the other is second place. I know, it's also I second know. place. None of like, us could agree on an actual ranking, which is why again, it was a this good is year. an unordered list. Please forgive us. Yeah, rankings, you know, other than saying number one, which is just more fun than it is like we're not, you know, I mean, they are going to get a trophy. We do send them a trophy in the mail. Yes, and it is um, solid so, gold. So, yeah, yeah. But really, there's no real reason to do it. So we've like, eh, let's just talk about the games that we love because that's what we do on this show. Um, and minute is perfect. Go play minute. So let's yeah, talk about the game, next game. Yeah, it's a game like the next one. I'm I'm going to talk about Return of the Oberdin. Neither of these, um, I think, for neither minute nor Oberdin. Will I ever on the podcast say like my favorite parts of them? Because I think that's part of the game. And for Oberdin, it's because uh, Return of the Oberdin, rather. Uh, the reason for me it was on my top list is because I love murder mysteries. I love mm. logic puzzles. And if you put that in an actual like computer game interface and you have that incredible, crazy 3D art of people just like things that would be rated the most R <laughs> if they weren't in pixels, little <laughs> stipple black and white pictures, like it would be an incredible hard R of a movie. But for some reason it's uh, palpable. Um, I love um, this gory giant logic puzzle uh, I don't know again it's one of those games that I feel like was made for me to like it spooky boat clue spooky boats Return of the Oberdin is maybe one of the most standout unique games that I've played for this show in maybe ever it, it's I, I don't think I've ever played anything like it. it it's it's a murder mystery but that doesn't really encapsulate what's so fascinating about this game like I've played games where you are a detective. You know, I've played L.A. Noir, for example. And in those games, there's there's no such thing as a game where you are like fully figuring out a situation in the actual role of a detective because there's always sort of game interface to get in the way. You know, there's no way to speak to your screen and say, hmm, I wonder if it's blank. And then have the characters in the game respond to you and say, well, no, it's not blank. Like you, you there, there's no perfect way to accomplish an actual detective story in a video game. But this comes as close as anything I've ever played, because this is a it is a brilliant way of presenting its information to you. The, the whole idea of like jumping into people's moments of their death using a pocket watch and recording the details of the story in the sort of in-game uh, ledger is is genius and 
incredibly well well done. Putting the UI gimmick and the kind of frame of the story and the UI kind of all together in that brilliant way and kind of encapsulating it in these two objects of the book and the watch. I, I was really brilliant to me. And it plays so well on screen. I've never played, I've never felt so smart playing a game as I did playing this game together with Laura. Thank you, Laura, for helping me <laughs> complete this say, game. Did you feel smart or was Laura really smart and you just got to like, we were be both there very smart. He has plenty of good moments. <laughs> I've never felt as dumb as I felt watching you and Laura play this game and trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> it, uh, for context, she didn't start watching us play after we'd been playing for about four hours so we were making deductions that he had no prayer of following thank you Shane for trying it was like look at the shoes and I'm like I can't even see shoes on screen right now (laughs) what about shoes god this game is so smart though like I I can't I can't recommend this highly enough it's it's the only it's the only deductive deductive reasoning based puzzle game I've ever played where I got to the end of it and was like, this was start to finish a super exhilarating, good experience. Like that's not my not my genre. Laura is much better at and more adept with puzzles than, or just just more engaged with puzzles as a as a thing than I am. That's not really my thing. But this game made me feel like a puzzle master, which I've never had that feeling before. I love this game. To be honest, uh, we're all talking about kind of why we rated Celeste higher. I for me. Celeste is not my genre, and I loved it, mm-hmm. and that's what made me put it above over Den, uh, which is my genre and an excellent version of my genre. So I, I tend to, if, if something outside my comfort zone makes me love it, I tend to rate it more. But uh, over Den, if you are a puzzle person or if you're not, give it a try. Yeah, this, I mean, it is obviously it's one massive like puzzle but it just feels so different than any other puzzle game that I've yeah. played. I, I, there's really no game that I can compare this to. I, I know I make a joke about it being Clue, um, but because that's, it's about, Clue. that's about as close as I can come it's, to. It's very, Clue if there were 60 people playing Clue on a yeah, boat. Yeah, <laughs> and it's also like, you know, we, we also keep saying murder mystery, and it's like, yeah, kind of. It's more like mass death mystery yeah. game. There's a lot so of, many there's deaths a lot of death mystery. That not murder in that game. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's not a spoiler like it's just there's so many different things that you're figuring out, you know, it's not just who killed who and how how they died. It's like you're also just figuring out the story which you're at no point are you filling out anything in the book be like, "Oh, now I know the story." You're just filling out how they all died and then that is telling you the story which is really genius i don't think i've ever so we've talked about a lot of games on this show that are like the quote-unquote walking simulator genre and so many of those have a a central mystery you know you're trying to figure out what happened to the people in this place but but none of them have have made that set like this is as if you played gone home and in addition to all the wonderful thing things it does with its storytelling and uh, experience of like navigating or you know exploring a space in addition to that it had this incredibly intricate puzzle at its core like it, it's it's an incredible uh, collision of the entire there's been this entire evolution of uh, of first-person narrative, uh, sort of walking simulator-y games over the last decade, almost. Well, I don't know how long has it been since Gone Home. Seems like a decade. It's probably been more like four <laughs> years. Um, it's been this amazing explosion of innovation in that area, but it's got this central puzzle that is 
no other game like it exists. Like nothing has ever done this. So I'm thinking with with Gone Home. So you know, with Gone Home, like the thing that always stuck out with me in that game is that I always felt like there were going to be ghosts, even <laughs> yeah. though there were never <laughs> any ghosts. Like you just keep going around this house and it's quiet and creepy and it's raining. I'm like, that, there's going to be ghosts. So imagine that, but in, you actually do find your entire family is dead and you have to figure out who killed them. <laughs> and there are ghosts. Not just <laughs> your family, but like all 60 of your friends and neighbors. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, They're uh, just corpses littering the house. <laughs> That's what this game is like. So if you liked Gone Home but wish that everyone was dead and you had to figure out how they died. Um, oh, man. And you wish you had a magic pocket watch. Yeah. yeah, and if all of this talk of corpses and dead bodies and murder is getting you down, uh, try Wonder Song, our last one, <laughs> because it's yes. just this like pastel-colored, um, happy singing bard uh, cure-all for your 2018 depression. Wonderful segue, Laura. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Much smaller body count. Yes, I agree. Much smaller body count in mm. Wonder Song. But still a body count. I loved Wonder Song. <laughs> yeah. Wonder Song is the is the one game this year that kind of scratched my Night in the Woods from last year itch. Night in the Woods blew me away last year. And uh, a huge part of that was just that it was a game that let me fall in love with its characters and characters that felt incredibly relatable and incredibly like of the moment. I, I really felt like that was a that was a game that spoke to where I was in that in that year. And Wandersong kind of did the same. Like it's a game about um, you know a very 2018 idea overcoming despair at the state of the world. You know, and uh, it's a it's a beautiful story. The central character, the bard, is. I, I wish he represented me, but what he represents is like the the perfect, like, I want to protect the bard. The bard is is, is my beautiful adult son. Like, I love him and I, I want him to, I want him to thrive in this terrible hell world. And it, it's, it's just such a wonderful game to play. If you need, if you need a dose of like positivity or hope in, in a world that can be really quite dark, 2018 has been quite a year. Huh. I mean, you know, if you Reagan. went to see the Mr. Rogers documentary and cried, then maybe you'll like Wonder Song. Yes. I also love Reagan. You have a child now, and you can say, I know. you can say like, I don't know. It's if something sticks out to me when you're calling a game character your adult child son. Uh, <laughs> when you also now are a father. I well, like you know, you I have a daughter. <laughs> I didn't say Miriam was my daughter, but the, the Bard is definitely my son. <laughs> I know this game isn't going to be for everyone. I think radical positivity might not be where your head is at, and that is perfectly fine. It but, is. But um, if the idea of playing as like a dude whose power is running around singing at things appeals to you, like I, it, I really like it came at the right time for me. It did. So, I want to yeah. add one thing to that though, Laura, and that's like radical positivity isn't necessarily the thrust of this game because there are oh, agreed many characters, and all of them are dealing with this dark space the world is in. In their own way. But the ways. central character and, is. Yeah, certainly yeah. the central character is. I wouldn't exactly call him a Pollyanna. It's more just that oh, he, no. has, he has his way of dealing with things. And it's very uh, he, earnest. Earnest. It's very and, earnest. But it's it's infectiously positive. And it's not positive in a way that makes you feel like. Like, 
I'm I'm as cynical <laughs> as the next millennial in 2018, but like this game really gave me warm fuzzies. So how I, many times while you were playing it did you yell "Wake up, sheeple"? It's not like this. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I was I was getting up and yelling. Well, maybe the answer is beautiful rainbows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and then and then you're like, oh, this game is so lighthearted. Oh, now I'm in a sad factory town level. Like it's not like you do with some dark stuff in a game. Yeah. Um, and that's I mean, kind of what I liked. Yeah, it, it gets weird. So there's all that. There's the tone of the game, right? And that, and um, it's really fun and really interesting. But also just like, if you think it would be fun to, in one of the opening cutscenes, your character who's wielding a sword goes and tries to attack something with a sword, and the sword immediately is not effective, and they learn that by singing at the thing, you can defeat them. If that sounds fun to you, then check out this game, because it also does some really funny twists on what you expect, like you know, action platformers to do. You're you're running around with a sword and then immediately the sword's not effective and you have to do this really fun sort of, uh, I, I don't know, like, um, I'm thinking like Dance Dance Revolution. What, uh, what's a game where you like have to, uh, Simon Says, you have to do like this like weird Simon Says sort of thing with um, a really funny sounding song. I don't know. It's, it's a funny twist on the mechanic. Even if the story doesn't sound interesting to you, it's a fun mechanic and it's a fun game and there's a dance button and i'll also add the story didn't sound interesting to me either but it was it it there's more to this game than it looks like on the surface it's so much deeper than i thought and there's a dance button <laughs> yes 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 and and they did the dance button to fit like all sorts of different times too you can hit that dance button when a variety of different things are going and it still works and it's my funny. favorite was on a skateboard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Celeste, and then kind of cumulative Into the Breach, Minute, Return of the Obra Den, Wonder Song. We all loved those games. Those are our top five collective of the year, but that's not all we want to cover. So we've also got some individual awards. So the first one's going to be the kind of what else award where everyone gets a chance to stand for something. Who wants to go first? I would love to. A game that I put absolutely number one on my list, hoping that it would get into the top, uh, a bit like we, like I have been able to push stuff into the list last year, was Tetris Effect. Uh, Tetris Effect is absolutely my favorite game of the year. Um, it's the best virtual reality game of the year. Uh, it is the best puzzle game of the year. Um, and you are all uh, chronically overlooking it uh, because it rules. It did rule. Uh, te- it absolutely does. Tetris Effect is uh, an incredible... If you missed that episode, it is a beautiful, uh, musical, uh, emotional version of Tetris, uh, a zillion-year-old puzzle game uh, that comes direct to us from glorious Soviet Russia. Um, (laughs) And now uh, it returns to its uh, pride of place at the pinnacle of all gaming, um, (laughs) uh, taking you from deep beneath the ocean uh, all the way to the moon, uh, stacking blocks in beautiful 3D virtual reality. And um, this is a game that I keep coming back to again and again. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe I had a thing for puzzles this year because Into the Breach was my other big fave. Uh, but, you know, Tetris is a game I've always loved. I've always had a lot of affection for it. Um, over the years, that affection has only grown um, as I've seen things like, you know, that you know, big world championships and I get to watch, uh, you know, incredible people doing amazing things in Tetris. 
Uh, but this is the game that took Tetris uh, and uh, submerged my entire head in it. Uh, and, um, and, and, I, I, and it feels so, so good to play. So uh, I absolutely think that Tetris Effect has been robbed by the short game this year. Uh, well, I will say I think that Tetris Effect was definitely the best episode I wasn't on. If you haven't listened to it and you want to hear Shane mercilessly dunk on Reagan for not <laughs> understanding how I'm Tetris still is played, it is so funny, guys. <laughs> That's what tutorials are for. <laughs> like I, 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 more I, rage than Shane in that episode. It's oh, so it's funny. How are you going to complain lovely? about a game not explaining itself when you skip the tutorial and jump straight into the constant <laughs> puzzle? It's Tetris. There's no need for tutorials. It's Tetris. We all understand Tetris. There's clearly a need for tutorials because you miss uh, half of it. <laughs> yes, that's true. That game was that game was great. That episode was great. Go back and listen to it. It was also one of my favorite episodes of the year. Just even though I got mercilessly dunked on, or perhaps because of it. Yeah, because of it. How about Nate? What's your fave? Yeah, so um, a sequel to one of my other favorite games that we have done, uh, which is Guacamelee Two. Guacamelee Two is, and well, both the Guacamelees are a really perfect blend of three of uh, what I think are the most fun genres. The platformer, as C previously discussed for Celeste, the Metroidvania, which I know there's like a billion of those now, but I still love that format, and then a beat-em-up. Guacamelee takes all three of those and makes just like a perfect blend. Uh, The fighting is a lot of fun and challenging. The platforming is a lot of fun and extremely challenging in a lot of parts. And then the story is hilarious and well-handled. Uh, the whole thing is just a lot of fun. Plus, it is a fantastic couch multiplayer. Mm. Um, part of probably the reason I like this both of these games so much is that it's a game that Molly and I have been able to play together through uh, completing both of them and even doing like a ton of the hidden and extra stuff because the game is so much fun. I love couch co-op games, and this is a great version of that. Um it's it's a great game, and it's so rare to get that in a in a game in this genre. Like you never get couch co op in Metroidvania games, right? Yeah, or platformers. Yeah, uh, the only one that you really get that in is a beat 'em up, uh, and that's where this game does that. But it also adds in the Metroidvania and the um, platformer element of it, which is a ton of fun. It's a really funny game too, so I super recommend it. Go play both guacamelees. I completely agree. That didn't make my list this year, mainly I think just because the year was so strong and also because I was playing Guacamelee 2 at the same time that I was playing something else I'll be talking about in a moment, Hollow Knight, which just sort of edged it out in my year kind of of uh, of um, Metroidvania. Not a short game. Nope, but it's a, it was a, this year was an amazing year for Metroidvanias in addition to being an excellent year for short games. But my game that I want to stand for, the game that I think that probably... Um, I liked better than most of my co-hosts on this show, and I just really hope that people continue to give this game a shot, a game that I absolutely loved, Yoku's Island Express. Yoku's Island is a Metroidvania pinball game. That's the most absurd confluence of ideas you've ever heard of, and yet this game works so well. So I'm a big pinball game guy. I like pinball in real life, but I also particularly like pinball video games. I just I just love the simplicity of that mechanic. It's a sort of a zen place I like to go. 
combining that with other things is almost always a good idea. Uh, you know, you'll long time listeners of this show probably remember uh, the uh, the game Rollers of the Realm, which I stand for super hard back when we uh, covered it a couple of years ago, and I still think is a criminally overlooked RPG with pinball game mechanics. So good, Sonic Spinball. That game is trash. Classic. <laughs> oh, that game is trash. <laughs> Yoku's Island Express is is freaking genius. It's an amazing uh, combination of pinball game mechanics with uh, with Metroidvania, sort of f- one gigantic map to explore that's made up of hundreds of different sort of mini pinball uh, toys and widgets within it. And uh, it, it just it's just great. It's a, it's a perfect game for the Switch. It's also out on, on a bunch of other consoles like PS4 and I think uh, Steam. The game is so good, guys. It I think it got really overlooked this year just because there's so many great games this year. And also I think because it has a kind of a uh, kind of a childlikeness to it. Uh, so if you're looking at this game on a list of cool games of, of on, on Steam or something, it may not necessarily stand out for you. Please check out Yoku's Island Express. There is a demo of it. Uh, I know there is one on the Switch. There's demos of it elsewhere too. This game is criminally underlooked this year. It's so good. I loved Yoku's Island Express. So if the idea of a Metroidvania game crossed up with pinball mechanics starring a bug appeal to you at all <laughs> do it and uh that's my that's my game for for way to throw yes. in the uh the hard right turn there uh with a bug with you a didn't, bug you didn't go nearly into that enough that some, might be some I mean, listeners ears perked up right now yeah. i mean uh, yoko's I, island express is definitely my favorite game with a worse title um because i can't i keep calling it yoshi and i'm like it's just google pinboy metrovania it's 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 so such a bad title i love the game i i agree they really should have come up with something a little bit punchier uh i think if you've got that all right uh, give it a new name right now go i think you did uh Bug bug, bug ball metroidvania pinball with a bug yeah why not uh you could just call it like Pinball Island, and I would play the game. Yeah, that's honestly, a better, that's, that's a better title. Or that's a better Pinball one. Postal Service. There you yeah, go. yeah. I named you your go. game. Perfect. Who sent um, me this dung ball in the mail? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I agree, though, Reagan. I, it was not on my list, but I think this is, especially for the Switch, I think this is like a must own if you have a Switch. It is a fantastic game, and I think perfect for that platform. Yeah, go back I and listen to our it. episode on it. We all adored it. Yes. Uh, so I just played the game I want to stand for today, so I'm going to have some primacy effect issues, but I cannot let this year go past without saying Grease is the Gris, G-R-I-S, however you say the name of the game, is the most beautiful game I've played this year, period, and stop. And I know that there's so much good art direction this year, but... Holy cow. Uh, the watercolor design, the animation, the sprites. I would periodically stop. You know, the animals, every single thing in this game is beautiful. And um, I was playing the game and I thought to myself, how many times have I played a game and said, this little tiny thing in this game, I hope everybody rips this off. I think that the creators of Greece were writing down all of those moments and put them all in this game. So I don't mm. care that like, yeah, it's going to remind you of Journey. It's going to remind you of the best parts of Farland Sales. It's going to remind you of the best parts of Limbo, Inside, you name it. It's going to remind you of the best parts of movies. They've taken a lot of tiny details and put them all together. And that's why I like, I think I love that it's smooth. Um, I'm going to make everyone do an episode on it. So I won't talk too much about it, but um, if you take a look at the art style and you want to play in that world and you've got a nice long sitting period, it is 
so gorgeous and so lush. Like, I think a lot of people were a lot more moved by it than I was. That wasn't something I needed out of this game. I just want it to be beautiful and relaxing. And by God, it is so good looking. It is so, so good looking. <laughs> Seconded. It is a beautiful game. And I, I am looking forward to We would have had an episode on it out before the end of the year, except for, you know, baby. But um, the game was great. So... Yes, thank you for for suggesting it, Laura, and uh, we'll probably be doing a more full episode on Gris in the uh, upcoming calendar year. I'm just glad for a little extra time to get in before you guys play it. Yes, and that's why more people can play it, which is something I'd love to talk about, because I I think this is going to be one where I sit and talk about, um, you know, screen number 64 in this world for 10 minutes because it's Hmm. it's so packed full of goodness. There's lots of little Um, stuff in this game. It's pretty cool. So... um, the next category we wanted to briefly touch on would just be some standouts. We have a few different sort of categories for standout stuff of the year. And what we wanted to talk about standout soundtracks, because this was a great year for video game soundtracks. Um, Nate. Yeah, I already mentioned it, so I'll keep it even more brief, but the Celeste soundtrack has become my go-to video game music and my go-to work music. I kind of just have it playing all the time. Uh, And it's good enough and varied enough where I'll just start it at the beginning and just listen to it all the way through. Um, I it, It's great. It's a really, really positive, uplifting, energetic, kind of dancey sometimes, which is always important for me. And uh, it was created uh, by Lena Rain, who I'm hoping to see her name on a thousand more games because this was awesome. The blowaway best uh, soundtrack of the year for me was Florence. Florence didn't quite make my my list for game of the year because while I think it's a phenomenal game, um, it's also it's also just I think slight enough of an experience that when compared against something like Celeste, it's hard to really say this is the game of the year. But I have to say that Florence is a game to play on your iPhone. It is an amazing game and very, very emotionally moving and beautiful to look at. But I think the thing that stood out to me the most and has stuck with me the longest from Florence was its music. Uh, It's an amazing soundtrack by Kevin Penkin. Kevin Penkin is an Australian uh, composer who uh, has uh, worked in video games and also uh, anime and also other stuff too uh, over several years. and he's become sort of like the composer to watch for me because he did this amazing soundtrack for Florence that I continue to listen to. Uh, it's on Spotify, by the way, and it's so good. I listen to it all the time. And he also did this the soundtrack. I mentioned this on a previous episode, but he's somehow gotten involved with a with an anime production house called Kinema Citrus, and he did the soundtrack for um, Made in Abyss, which is easily my favorite anime of 2017. And uh, so Made in Abyss is an amazing show. And his soundtrack for it sounds like nothing else in any anime I've ever watched. Um, it, it's stunning. And it's also super weird that this, uh, that this anime production house is going to him for their, uh, for their soundtracks, uh, a, 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 uh, an Australian guy living in the UK. It's sort of weird. Uh, but anyway, amazing music. Check it out. It, the soundtrack for Florence and also for Made in Abyss are both on... Uh, on Spotify, and they are in super heavy, heavy rotation on my Spotify this year. I I cannot uh, talk about soundtracks without talking about the phenomenal soundtrack uh, for Tetris Effect. Oh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the soundtrack for Tetris Effect is still a ways out because uh, the music in Tetris Effect is uh, generated 
to some extent, live as you play it by the falling tetraminos in your Tetris board. And there is not a downloadable soundtrack version. So in lieu of listing the Tetris Effect soundtrack, which hopefully will be something I can buy, uh, I will talk about the Hollow Knight soundtrack. So good! Uh, by Christopher Larkin. Uh, this soundtrack is phenomenal. I bought it on vinyl because I love it so much. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad we're, I know we're going to talk about Hollow Knight later, so I won't dig into that game, but the music of Hollow Knight is haunting and eerie and beautiful. And, uh, it is just, uh, I, I play it, uh, to set the mood for Dungeons and Dragons, Ooh. uh, which it is really, really good for. Um, so I was I, I'm a like big holding my breath when you said, hey, set I use the mood. it to I was like, oh, <laughs> poor Julia, <laughs> your poor wife. What is this going to be? Yep. <laughs> what uh, game soundtrack do you recommend for actually setting the mood? None. <laughs> so like, just don't play game soundtracks to set yeah. the mood. Just Wander don't. song. There you no. go. <laughs> Peter Panic. <laughs> Peter Panic, yes. Well, I also like love the Tetris Effect soundtrack. I, I just bought it after Christmas and played a manic um, many-hour session the day I got back um, when I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I will say, uh, this is me putting on my nerd glasses here, but um, I, I wasn't kidding when I said on Twitter that the contemporary acapella group Room Full of Teeth actually does sound a lot like the Tetris Effect soundtrack. It's really weird, dystonal, um, ambient acapella music. So if you're really thirsting for it, maybe listen to them on Spotify. Um, but what I'm actually game-related is um, I the soundtrack from Greece from Berlinist is absolutely beautiful. I've listened to it all yeah. day. I added it. It is, it is phenomenal. So um, if you're looking for even more um, music to fill out your Spotify, Apple Music. If you actually still buy music, congratulations. We love you. <laughs> Bandcamp. <laughs> Whatever. Just try Grease. It's really, really nice. So cool. Yeah, there's so many great soundtracks this year, and that's just the very top level of them. We have a couple of other sort of mini categories we wanted to call out. Uh, Laura, I guess you had one on the list here? <laughs> I have, I want to institute a new category because I think we're going to keep getting this and it's dirt bag of the year award and yes uh, i want to say thank you thank you i uh, <laughs> i accept <laughs> donut county raccoons actually beat you shane sorry um no, curse and you. retrospectively giving 2017s to the entire night in the woods cast because all of them are dirt bags at some point but um we talk about teens all the time i think Dirt bags you can't just should be throw an actual that out there with that. <laughs> No, I mean like we, we used to yeah, say yeah. we're teens so we often because we're so hit with it. We're teens all the time. Well, yeah, we use the word teens a lot, but it's always in context. It's not just a yeah. We talk about teens a lot. It's a, <laughs> well, I do, fellow kids. If someone has listened an hour into our game of the year, I am assuming they've listened to many episodes of our podcast. Potentially, maybe that's not true. We're not creepy. Speak for yourself. We mostly talk about spooky teens. It's spooky yeah. teens. Spooky teens. Yeah. But yeah, dirtbag of the year, Donut County. That you know, that's a really, really good call out, Laura. And I, I honestly like, given the way the world is now, I think this is, I think this is with us for good now. The the like dirtbag character as a sort of a, I don't know if you want to call it an antihero, but God, I loved the Night in the Woods cast, and gosh, those raccoons were good dirtbags. 
top quality dirt bags. Hope we keep seeing more dirt bags like that <laughs> in 2019. <laughs> Absolutely. Bring on the trash. And the, the last kind of brief category we wanted to call out would be a VR game of the year. And this was Shane and I have Shane and I are the two VR game players on the show. Uh, the other two co-hosts don't have VR setups and we both have the PSVR. So we're still limited just to stuff on that platform. And also, um, you know, we don't play every single PSVR game that comes out or anything. We're not authoritative here, but I was pulling hard for Astrobot. Shane hasn't had a chance to, to, to give that a shot yet, but, uh, Shane, I think you determined that our VR game of the year this year was the Tetris effect. Yes, it is a, <laughs> I already explained why it's good and what's so good about it. But, uh, so I'll, I'll use this spot to just talk about what an incredible year VR has had. It's been great uh, on the PSVR. Um, I haven't even gotten to play all of the amazing games. I mean, let me just put this out there. This is the year that PSVR, you could get a setup for $200. Like, I think that's what like I, I've always said, like, VR will go mainstream when people can fucking afford it. And now yeah. people can afford it. It's cheap. Yeah, you can probably afford it now. Uh, Deracine is uh, the incredible, you know, adventure game from From Software that came out this year. Um, the Astrobot game has had just incredible reviews. I cannot wait to really dive into it. I think I think Astrobot is it. We're going to be doing an episode on that pretty shortly, hopefully. And uh, Astrobot is, I think, it's it's the it's the new mascot for. It's going to be this the the Sonic the Hedgehog of PSVR. Oh, high and, praise, high praise. <laughs> and honestly, I've heard a ton about Moss too. So. Moss was also oh my gosh. Great. Was that? How do I forget? Year? I thought that was that. La- was that the beautiful year or last mouse? Year? Moss will be Moss the Sonic Spinball. Moss was of, this year. Uh, Dang, so many good games. Yeah, it was really early this year. Uh, yeah, Moss is incredible. I, 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 I can't get enough of that little jumping mouse. He is. He's got a. He's really good with his sword. He's so cute. I wanted. I love petting him. What other? Well, just a great year for VR. You, you, uh, you talked a lot of sugar about the uh, um, uh, Hyper Wings or whatever it was called. Ultra Wings. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was this year or not. I, I got that one a little bit late. Yeah, uh, there's definitely several games that I played a little bit late this year yes. because similarly, you know, I played a lot of um, uh, Wipeout uh, on VR this year. And I, I think that was actually a 2017 game, but amazing. Good ga- good year for VR in that like PSVR is cheap now, guys, and you should check it out because it's a lot of fun. And here we are pretty late in the console life cycle. Yeah. We'll see how where things go. Yeah. So our last categories. Yeah, we are moving away from the realm of short games even further than we might have at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> and uh, we, But before we wrap up, we want to talk a little bit about uh, our non-short game gaming. Um, so what is your favorite non-short game you played this year, fellows? Yeah, I can go first. Um, this one is a game everyone has heard about, uh, and I think rightfully so, the Spider-Man game for PS4. Mm. is one of the best games I've played on my PlayStation. I have not played many of those style games, the like open worldy beat 'em up thing, you know, that I know like the Assassin's Creeds do and like the Arkham games kind of do. Like here's a whole city and there's a million little collectibles that are all like random things and you get on top of towers to see more of the city. Um I've not really played any of those. Uh, So this genre is relatively new to me, but I can tell you that it didn't feel like any of the problems I've heard of all those other games. Like all of the little side missions, all the little collectible things were all fun to do. 
and seemed worthwhile to do. Yeah, I've the heard game, that consistently about Spider-Man. It seems like, you know, if you're going to play one of these, this is the one to go with. Yeah, I mean, it. it's one of the only... Um, so I finished the main story, and I still go, going back just to do more of this, like, city side mission stuff because they're so fun. And I think it's actually all rooted in the fact that just being Spider-Man is fun in this game. So those collectible things, they're, they're not like an, a uniquely fun thing for the most part. They're very similar to the other collectibles that you'll find in games, but being Spider-Man in this game feels so good and is so fun that even just swinging around to find backpacks that are like stuck to weird parts of the city is fun. Because you get to swing around as Spider-Man. And they do a lot of cool escalation like RPG stuff where uh, you don't see, or at least I've not seen you in like superhero games where you're like unlocking more powers as you get Mm. higher. Um, They they make it work by it being new gadgets. So you're like acquiring new gadgets as the game goes on. Um, But you're also unlocking skills. And most of them just make you faster, jump higher, uh, you know, do more Spider-Man-y things. So by the time the game ends, you're running faster than you were running, you're flying faster than you were flying, or, you know, zipping across the city. You're doing more flips, you're doing more, like, leaps off of things. You just become this, like, really agile, really fun character, and I enjoyed it from top to bottom. On top of all of the mechanics fun, it's a good Spider-Man story. They do a really good job of weaving, uh, like, a classic Spider-Man thing where there's like six bad guys and they all kind of weave in and out of each other. Um, you're putting some in jail, some are getting out. Like it's just a really good Spider-Man story. So it was fun to play and it's a good Spider-Man. I can't wait to give that a try. I was, uh, uh, that's one of the games that like I was originally planning on playing over the holidays. My plan was buy this game for myself for Christmas and, uh, play it and play it through until my child was born. And that hasn't happened <laughs> because she was born early. So, uh, yeah, um, hoping hoping to find some time to play that soon. Looks so much fun. It's good. I, the, the game that was my, like, standout gaming experience of the year this year um, is a game that I can't in. Well, I'm glad that we picked a short game game of the year because if I'd had to pick an actual game game of the year, it would have been Hollow Knight. For the Switch. And I know that is, this is a problem that I've, I've heard other folks who review games running into. This is a 2017 game that only just came out on the Switch in 2018. And of course, that meant that it became relevant to me in 2018. So for me, this is a 2018 game. Not technically, but definitely feels like a 2018 game to me. We're going to have more <laughs> of that going forward, like slow burns that, that pop up out of nowhere. Yeah. And these are the real problems that game journalists have to deal with. So I'm glad, Reagan, you've been br- I mean, you brought this up. <laughs> when I did our spreadsheet, half the games we played in 2018 were released in 2017, and no one told us about them until they played them six months later. So I think that we're going to keep, you know, there's we're going to have a big list of things we didn't cover, um, but I think things come out of the woodwork a couple months after release. Yeah, sometimes these smaller games that don't have massive advertising budgets sort of bubble up like that, and that's fine. Uh, you know, the, the whole game of the year thing is a ridiculous, uh, um, you know, con- construct anyway. But Hollow Knight is easily the best Metroidvania I've ever played. And it's also one of the best platformers I think I've ever played. And it's uh, it's so brilliantly done. Um, the, the gameplay of it is just phenomenal. Uh, 
all of the combat is fun. The like creating builds for your character is is fun and interesting, and there's a lot of variation. Um, and it, it has a unique way of telling a story that doesn't feel like anything else I've ever played. Now, I'll I'll add to this that I am not a Dark Souls guy, so um, you know a lot of the things about this game that that I really love. People say, oh, you know, this is inspired by Dark Souls. I've tried Dark Souls. I can't I can't hack it at Dark Souls. It, it it doesn't it's not fun for me. I've tried I've bought the game three times now. I've tried it over and over again. Please stop making me try Dark Souls. Hollow Knight is so freaking good. It's so good, guys. Play Hollow Knight. It's one of the best games I've ever played. It's phenomenal. You you turned me onto it. At first I thought it was not a something I would like. Same. Uh, and I'm so glad uh, that you got me into it. Yeah, I bought it completely on a whim thinking like, I've got nothing to do for a few minutes. I'm going to play some of this that people keep talking about on podcasts. Guys, it ruled my life for like a month. This game is amazing. I've got a few minutes to sp- spend on a game I'm that not... we know is 30 plus hours. Uh, I think <laughs> I've spent game. over 100 hours on Hollow Knight, guys. Yeah. It's this so good. This is why I haven't picked up Hollow Knight because yeah. I have things to do. <laughs> yep, yep, I know. <laughs> and unfortunately, I can't stop playing Stardew Valley, which is my problem. Yep. <laughs> my little farm has sucked all of my time. Um, it was bad because I was freelancing and then like a meeting would get canceled and they'd be like, it'll be moved out an hour and I wouldn't have any like billable work to do for an hour. So instead of doing household chores or cooking dinner, I would try to woo another girlfriend or boyfriend on my farm. Um, I'm trying to woo everybody who is single on my farm and my, my town. And then, and then I'll marry somebody. But like, honestly, you have to get to like full romance wooing to get their whole storyline. And I am invested in everybody's storyline. That is my problem in this farm. I am literally romancing everybody in town that is below the age of 40 and it is wonderful. There are Highly no, recommend. I hope there are no children in town. Also, I have, no, there's no children. You can only get a, ch- you can only get a child when you're married and you've built a bigger house where there's room for your kid. Nice. Um, I built the bigger house, but um, I will stay single and ready to mingle until I have accomplished all of the narrative. Um, also, I just am swimming in money right now. Um, my farm is kind of running itself. I, I have slime balls. Yeah, I've played way too much Stardew Valley, guys. It's wonderful. And I just picked it up on iOS and moved my save file over so I can continue to enable myself into the future. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, we both have the excuse of, like, these are 2017 games, but they've come out on new platforms, the Switch and, in this case of Stardew Valley, the Switch and iOS in 2018, mm-hmm. um, which counts IMHO. Uh, and I think it's great that you can move your save file between the PC version and the and the iOS version. I wish you could do the same with the with the Switch version, but that's amazing. That's why I didn't play it on Switch, to be honest. Totally, because um, I like moving my files back and forth. And I I looked so far for a way to do that for Into the Breach from yes uh, Windows to Switch because I like I said I like I'm almost basically a hundred percented Into the Breach, and I want to, but I want to play it on Switch and. But so I already know what that means is I'm just going to do it all again on Switch and I'm not dreading it, but it would be great to be able to transfer it over to Switch. Yeah, that's why I find myself picking the Switch version of things, even if it means a wait. Like, for example, with Hollow Knight, uh, 
like I, I will I will wait for a Switch version if I think there's one coming because it's so much more versatile. There's going to be, you know, maybe I want to sit down and play it in front of a gigantic screen, but maybe I want to play it on the go. And that's the only platform I really have that option with unless they pull something like the, the Stardew Valley like save transfer feature. So. so for our last group, we're going to rapid fire as much rapid fire as we can. Uh, talk about our 2019 games we're excited about. Shane, what are you hyped about? Oh my gosh, there are a lot of cool games coming out in 2019. Um, I don't for sure know that all of these are going to be short. Some of them I'm pretty sure won't be short, but I threw them in the list anyway. And they Um, might not come out next year, we're just hoping. Yeah, some of them probably won't come out next year, you never know, but they all at least have a announced that they will come out sometime in 2019. Uh, Number one for me is Dreams. This is uh, from the people who brought you uh, that uh, Sackboy cute uh, game where you make your own games. This is basically a game creation toolkit that is going to be for PSVR and PlayStation. Uh, and everything I've seen about it looks awesome. Uh, I can't wait to play everyone's short PSVR games that they make and put into this thing. Sounds amazing to me. Um, there's a sequel to Psychonauts coming. Thank God. What? For real? Uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait for that. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. Psychonauts 2. If my love of tactics games holds, uh, then Wargroove is going to really uh, make me happy next year. Wargroove is a brand new tactics game uh, that is gonna, I'm going to be terrible at, and Reagan's going to beat me over and over and over again. Uh, there's a game called Who's Your Daddy that is already out in early access, uh, but uh, it is, uh, from what I can tell, super fun. It gets its official release. Uh, it's thematic for many members of our show because it's a game where one player uh, is a uh, baby trying to do unsafe things and get killed, and the other player is the daddy uh, trying to prevent the baby from accidentally uh, electrocuting and drowning itself. That is literally the game that I w- had prepped for a pitch when I was thinking about uh, interviewing at Xbox. I had two games pitched, and one was the like baby trying to kill itself, and the second <laughs> one was, wouldn't it be great if there was a Kinect game based on Avatar The Last Airbender? Those were the two <laughs> games I had ready to pitch. <laughs> Amazing. All right, well, you can... Live out your dreams uh, in Who's Your Daddy 2019. Uh, I'm so glad someone made that because I'm not making games. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, Animal Crossing. There is. They said. They said it's happening. They swore they would do it. There's going to be an Animal Crossing. We know nothing else about it. One of the games that I missed out on when we first did it for this show, and I have never managed to go back and pick up Ori and the Blind Forest, is having a sequel this coming year, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. So pretty uh, looking. I've heard good things. I uh, hear it's going to be even prettier, even jumpier, even more Metroidy, and uh, I can't wait. I definitely will be on that one. And uh, last on my list here, um, Toe Jam and Earl. There's a new Toe Jam and Earl. They kickstarted it. They've made it. It's coming. Uh, I can't wait to play it. I really, oh, I have a lot of affection for that. Those two. Weird alien dudes. I think Laura, you, I, and Reagan are all on that Kickstarter. Did you do it? Yep. Yeah. I, did I did it. not I did not get on the Kickstarter. I am just gonna buy it when it comes out. But, yeah, that's uh, fair. And who knows how long it'll be, but it'll be fantastic. Yeah, so I'm really excited about In the Valley of the Gods. It's the new Campo Santo. Um Firewatch creators game. It's set in Technically a technically a Valve game now. Fine. They were bought. Doesn't matter. Uh, it's, it's Egypt 1920s, and uh, I follow the um, someone who used to do costume design, Claire Hummel. She's now one of their um, artists. Everything looks fantastic on that. 
really hyped. Uh, there's Sable, which looks like a graphic novel brought to life. It's all this neon colors. I'm really into it. Uh, Samogo, the people who brought us Device 6 and uh, Yearwalk, have a game that looks bizarrely like they didn't create it called Sayonara Wild Hearts. That's all I know. It is a weird, it's actually 3D. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for Sayonara Wild Hearts. What is going on there? First of all, go watch the trailer for it. It looks amazing. It's like Carly Rae Jepsen made an album and someone turned it into a video game. It looks amazing. And they do have a history with rhythm and audio or music-based games if you go back all the way to Yes, I love Beating Bandit. So So they have some chops. I think this is going to be one of the best games of 2019. And my last that I'm really excited about, uh, comes out early, hopefully, is Untitled Goose Game. Yes. Where you're a goose on the loose. And you just honk at people and bite them. And like the previews seemed so charming. And it's still called Untitled Goose Game. It's for the people who made that weird sausage game where you mm. played a sausage. I bet it stays Untitled it's Goose Game. It's going to stay Untitled Goose Game. Yes, they've yeah. already announced it as such. So I think that's its name now. It looks okay, so good. Yeah. It looks so cute and weird and good. I cannot wait to play it. Uh, that's a weird one too because, like, you remember um, uh, Panic, the the video, the the um, uh, the software developer became a for some reason decided to become a uh, a video game software publisher and did Firewatch, and uh, then Camposanto uh, got bought by Valve. So this is this is Panic's second game that they're producing, uh, Untitled Goose Game after Firewatch, which is a, a weird uh, weird thing for them to be doing considering they like make my FTP app, but like I'm super glad that they're doing it because they seem to be really know how to pick them calling it 2019 dirtbag of the year this goose yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes can't wait we have a history of loving loving bird games on this show, we do so. we need to do another bird week that'd be fun i think we have our untitled goose game bird week reagan there's a vr game called eagle flight that has been on my like when it goes on sale list forever and uh yeah so bird, bird week uh should should return bird week vr if you yes. have any bird games, please let us know. That's our 2019 call to action. Bring <laughs> us more bo- bird games. Yes. Uh, yes. Did you guys see the trailer for, uh, oh, sh- what was it called? Skate Skatebird? It's a it's like a Tony Hawk game no. where you play as a parakeet. Love it. Nope. It's amazing. Uh, I, that's another 2019 game I'm quite excited about. Excellent. Well, this has been talking about birds. Throwback. <laughs> <laughs> throwback to Nate's other podcast. <laughs> so I think that's going to do it for us this year. Uh, so obviously we are recording this on January 1st. I'll be getting this to you as soon as my baby will allow me to edit the podcast. So um, uh, thank you guys retrospectively for all of your support in 2018. 2018 was a great year for our podcast. 2019 is going to be even better because we have some new ideas about our format. We're going to be trying new things. We're going to be reaching out in new directions. We want to hear from you. If you have short games that you love or that you're looking forward to and think that you will love in the future, that's almost even better because we we try to get ahead of this stuff. Let us know what short games are on the horizon for you or are, are uh, you know, you're obsessing over. We want to know about those and we want to play them and we want to talk about them in depth on this show. And uh, if you have thoughts for us just about the format of the show, uh, now would be a great time to let us know about those because we're in the process of sort of retooling. We really want to know what you have to say. Uh, if you're a listener, you know, you're the most important part of the show. Uh, we really want to hear from you. So let us know. Our best way to get in touch with us is either uh, www.theshortgame.net. We've got a contact form there, or you can go to um, uh, Twitter and, and uh, we're at underscore short game, or you can write info at theshortgame.net. 
I'm Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on the internet at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? They can find me at Laura J. Nash on pretty much anything. Nice. And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And Shane, where can people find you? On the popular microblogging service, Twitter. At uh, 8BitShane is my handle there. And thank you listeners so much for joining us on this year of The Short Game. <laughs>